was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I ran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space, be that city. Hey there, howdy. Here we are, another edition of The Other Side of Texas. Thank you for telling your friends that you hang out on The Other Side of Texas. Jay, West Texas. Lisa, how often can you say Texas? Not enough, my friends. Right here from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous, Waylon Jennings tramped around, and other things went down. Right here, we're raving on in an independent fashion. Broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios, voted Lubbock's Best Wash Round for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across the Hub City for the Best Wash Round. Guaranteed. I use them, love them, you'll love them too. Racerwash.com. Lots of news on this Friday. And we continue on with it is it's just what it is you know that music Rager Gate uh, today you know I've gotten some pushback about how much we talked about this situation with Rager Dykes a Lubbock based company with tentacles with reach all across the region lots of news today in Ragergate and want to cue you up on some of that stuff to begin with but I will start with two two points as we get into it today one for those that say wow this again well look I I can go back and find the audio Daniel can you try that please yeah like on Tuesday Monday or Tuesday I believe I told you that I've spoken with people in Ford Motor Credit who said, Ford Motor Credit Company, who said, we've never seen anything like this uh, to the extent of 41 and up to 116 million outstanding. That's the allegation by Ford. We, we've not seen anything like this was a response. Well, today you have Ford Motor Credit you see in their filing they say that this floor plan what's involved we'll get into what a floor plan is and all of that as we roll along you and be a part of the program 806-745-5800 this may be one of the largest floor plan financing frauds in the history of the United States Ford said as part of its, and this is from KMAC News, as part of its request that a bankruptcy judge appoint a trustee to oversee what's left of Rager Dykes. Now, to the point of what's left of Rager Dykes, which is a pretty good line there by the folks at EverythingLubbock.com and KMAC, what is left? Because here's what we know breaking this afternoon is that the Plainview, or excuse me, not the Plainview, the Floydata store 
has been a motion has been granted GM General Motors entering the fray today Vista Bank as well we're gonna get into all this it's a little bit complicated want to go through it point by point but two with regards to what's left of Rager Dykes uh, this is from KCBD uh, in Lubbock motion granted General Motors to terminate Rager Dykes Floyd Ada Chevrolet franchise General Motors LLC filed a motion on Thursday to allow the company to terminate its franchise with Rager Dykes Floyd Ada Chevrolet the judge has granted the motion because of the ongoing case with Ford Motor Credit and the Chapter 11 bankruptcy, General Motors asked the bankruptcy judge to allow it to terminate shipments of new vehicles to Rager Dykes Floyd Ada, freeze accounts for the dealership, and send them notice of termination. In court documents, General Motors is, quote, concerned that given serious allegations that sales out of trust have occurred and that Rager Dykes Floyd Ada is unable to reconcile its obligations, GM requests that it be permitted to freeze payments of dealer holdback funds until there can be a full accounting between the parties, which sounds to me, I think you can logically deduce, that GM has sat back and watched forward and said, uh-uh, we don't want to get into that mess. We want everything stayed. We want it shut down, and we want to account right now what we've lost. Now, that's a fairly, I would say that that's, that's a sizable dealership there in Floyd Ada. Now, let's swing over to Lamisa. Source sent me an email today and asked me to look into the a deal that was made between the Lamisa Economic Development Alliance. I think they say alliance. Sometimes they use it with uh, end it with a different uh, term, but it's an economic develop the economic development group in Lamisa. Some time ago, and we're going to figure out. They're going to get back to me with specifics. At what point in time, I'm not sure, and what the duration of this deal ran through, but there was a deal between the Lamisa Economic Development folks and Rager, uh, I believe Bart Rager is what I was told in the contract forthcoming. Lamisa Economic Development went in and put in $250,000 worth of paving. That's the number, and again, we're going to get all this certain, but I, I think it is a quarter million dollars to go in and repave lots and it was a deal and these are not uncommon uh, so many customer you hire so many people and keep so many people employed then we will um, go ahead and do this uh, a quarter million dollars worth of paving they did now I don't know when that began and when it ended but the bigger point there is that you're looking at the potential of a shutdown I've reached out to people officials in Floyd Ada none of whom are ready to go on record right now as we broadcast at this time. Uh, we're not ready, still dealing with the news, and then in Lamisa contracts coming that we want to bring you here on the program because we talk about the other side of Texas, and this matters in a lot of rural communities right now, uh, given 
the dealership and the its various locations. Now, I'm told that the dealership in La Mesa is closed. If you can verify that, let me know. I'm told that it's closed and that according to officials with whom I spoke today in La Mesa, they employed some 70 people. Now, in a community that size, 70 people matters. And so then the story becomes a larger one of big economic hits that communities are taking. I don't think in the long term that it will be nearly as bad, but all we have right now is what's in front of us, and it's the short term. Uh, La Mesa, a place in which you know, roughly 10,000 people, well, 70 people employed by this one dealership, that's a, that's a good chunk, and probably some good uh, middle class, upper middle class jobs. So they are in a position of uncertainty. We talked about people uh, who were trying to file for unemployment but are in a weird status with the Texas Workforce Commission that can't file for unemployment, you know, following up on some Avalanche Journal reporting. And what do you do? So a big mess, and we're all beginning to learn about it's it really is it's like trying to wrestle down a rhino uh, get your arms around it pin it to the ground this stuff is just everywhere right now especially with gm jumping into the fray we cover it here because it matters it's a huge regional story and that's why we've led with it this week while we've put out while we've broken our own news about it this week a big big deal i mean we spent a lot of this week focusing on a lot of this stuff and i don't apologize for it i think that many people appreciate and i appreciate the anonymous emails and legitimate emails and otherwise of people who've appreciated what we've brought to you this they week don't understand what i'm talking about you change your mind or get the there you go uh just just a couple of things so I want to get in with everything that went down today, what GM says and what Ford Motor Credit says, and then a big, well, a sizable bank in Lubbock, Vista Bank, they're concerned. Another, another group, $700,000, is concerned, and these are just beginning to stack up. Now, the allegations are what they are, at this point against Ford and I don't think anybody has uh, they certainly made a case there's a legal process underway but in the middle of this legal process and I don't intend on this date August 10th 2019 to be talking about it to this extent but I'm sure that this will still be a story it has unbelievable scale in scope in Lubbock and beyond and it is certainly whenever you've got a company like Ford who says this could be amongst one of the biggest fraud cases with which they've ever dealt well who are they if Ford's not just some upstart we're talking about a company that that had Edison building them batteries Thomas Edison building them batteries that faced 
instant ridicule. Like to date this company and its storied legacy in American history was told that the horse and buggy is here to stay. And yet Ford tarried on through a depression and then another bust, you know, a century later. And then two world wars, a little Viet Vietnam era conflict. I mean, there is so much that Ford has, so much history with Ford, for it to lay out the claim that this, it's the job of a good lawyer to be hyperbolic at times and to speak in some superlative, but it says something that Ford is going in after. Rager Dykes Auto Group entities associated with it and intends to go after Bart Rager and based on news from yesterday Bart Rager and Rick Dykes personally um man that's that's a rough week there and uh something that's just going to get rougher as we go along Brandon Darby managing editor of Breitbart Texas will be in studio with us as we carry along here on your other side of Texas hope you stay with us right here we'll get in with more news notes and some commentary uh, we're going to get in some border stuff with Brandon Darby we're going to talk about an explosion in Midland update you on that and then we also want to get into a round of master debaters here on the program. Stick right where you are. We're coming right back here on AM 580. Johnny can't drink because Johnny ain't 21. Yeah, but he's 18 and he's pretty handy with a gun. This Rager Dyke situation that matter within the lawsuit, and then there are certainly going to be criminal charges against whom I don't know, but I think a good working bet would be, and I didn't check the Vegas books on the over under on how many people are going to the big house, uh, but I think chances are probably, not probably, the chances are good. I, I'm not going to say any names because I've got some responsibility behind a microphone. But I think that we know that. And again, when, you know, I said this last week. The reason it's such a big story is because people in Lubbock, by and large, when they heard the big boom, no pun intended, some 10 days ago, the initial reaction was, I knew it. Your neighbor knew it. Your friends knew it, your people at Bridge, your people at Kiwanis, your people at Lions, people at church, I knew it. And it's only unraveled since then, and will continue to do so. Um, but that's what makes it dominate as a story, the way that it does. So I want to get into, uh, I read through some different reports, I thought that Fox uh, 34 in Lubbock did a really excellent write-up on making sense of all this and kudos to a lot of people who are doing some hard work in trying to get this right and lay it out in common person terms so that it's accessible and people's eyes don't glaze over because the fact of the matter is that everybody within this immediate listening audience as i broadcast on the radio and across texas i know if you're listening other places in texas outside of texas there are some big 
publications that are about to come in and start covering this and because it is something unlike what has been seen before so there's the criminal stuff if there is criminal stuff and then there's the stuff pertinent to the lawsuit and then there are extensions of the lawsuit and then there are the i've been given so much and i appreciate people emailing me jay at other side of texas giving me your account and you know after i verify and i verify and i verify uh perhaps i'll bring some of that to light and give people an opportunity to speak out on it but then there's just simply the massive amount of information out there uh, pertinent to this story as well um from the piece on fox 34 uh, ford credit explains vehicle sold out of trust creates an unsecured debt a dealership owes hold on let me go back in the new court documents in which ford has requested the u.s bankruptcy court appoint a chapter 11 trustee because rager dykes has committed acts of fraud dishonesty and gross mismanagement in these documents ford motor credit explains floor plan financing otherwise known as flooring when a dealer sells a floored vehicle it must repay ford credit the standard is within seven days and i would argue to you based upon conversations i've had with other ford dealers it's not ever seven days uh, in, in there it's, it's like within three days that they put that stuff up but the standard what ford's requirement is is seven days now failing to do so is a breach of financing agreement making it making the dealer quote out of trust ford motor credit explains vehicles sold outside of trust creates an unsecured debt a dealership owes ford credit cannot recover a vehicle sold to a customer in the ordinary course of business under and this is important ford credit cannot recover a vehicle sold to a customer in the ordinary course of business under the texas business and commerce code meaning ford cannot take back from a consumer a vehicle sold through the fault of a dealer now that runs contrary to sources i've talked to who say that they can now it might be through a different and i've had people comment on our facebook page about what creditors would likely roll up with repo vehicles now brandon darby i'm going to give him his proper introduction here in just a moment in studio um i want to read for you this this next part and then we'll get in with mr darby the latest filing notes that Rager Dykes had commendably low percentage of vehicles in violation in its June audit, but a subsequent inspection raised some red flags. An average of 25% or so of Rager Dykes inventory was listed as, quote, sold not due, end quote, meaning those vehicles would have been sold days earlier and money not yet due to Ford Credit. Ford states that this meant Rager Dykes had either quote sold 25 percent of their inventory within the last week an unlikely scenario i'd say very unlikely or that debtors were falsifying their sales dates 
which leads to an instance in which using government records Ford investigators determined 147 out of 150 cell dates reported by Rager Dykes were falsified. Ford claims the average discrepancy between reported sales date and Texas DMV records was 55 days. So, you know, some seven, eight times longer than is uh, the seven-day standard. Ford Credit also detailed double flooring claims using this example. One of the debtor's dealerships, Store A, represents to Ford Credit that it purchased a Ford Explorer for $40,000. In response, Ford Credit advances $40,000 in acquisition financing to Store A, but then, unbeknownst to, to Ford Credit, Store A transfers the Ford Explorer to another debtor's dealership, Store B, Store B then fraudulently fraudulently represents to Ford Credit that it has purchased a Ford Explorer for $40,000, which prompts Ford Credit to advance an additional $40,000 in financing Store B. So, the next biggest term is with subsequent analysis ongoing. And that was, you go into those Ford Motor Credit filings and you see analysis ongoing over and over again they are not done uh, what strikes me here and this is where we will bring our friend Brandon Darby Breitbart Texas into the conversation Brandon I'll just start by by putting it out there what what is not I know you've been following the situation there is an implication of criminal activity though Ford has not said stated a criminal charge and I don't they can lay the groundwork for it they can allude to it but it's not their job within a lawsuit but it sounds like there's some if these things are true with a capital I capital F if they are true there is certainly certainly some criminality involved well let's just say if they're not true uh, Mr. Rager is going to be very wealthy because he's going to sue the hell out of Ford Motor Company, mm-hmm. and then it looks like maybe now he's going to sue the, sue the might end up suing having to sue the hell out of uh, uh, out of uh, GM GM mm-hmm. yeah General Motors. Um, so uh, my personal perspective is that there's probably it's probably likely true, and if it is true, um, I'm going to be straight with you. I you know I. I try not to get involved in such matters, but this is a matter that will have such devastating effects. I mean, you look at, you consider just the, the little bit, you know, that I've been around. You consider, you know, if indeed Rager Dykes was operating in this way, they go into a community and other businesses in the same field have to compete with them. And so somebody what they did is is what they allegedly did excuse me is the equivalent of an athlete taking steroids right anabolic steroids and other athletes haven't trying to play by the rules and having to compete with them where the other athletes can't so then Rager Dykes is the last athlete standing in some of these small communities and they have they, they provide jobs and if it turns out this stuff is true then those communities are left without those jobs when other other businesses could have competed but but 
if 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 Rager Dykes did things by the books. So if these allegations are true, um, it's just going to have such a detrimental effect, not only in Lubbock, but I think in, in a lot of the smaller communities surrounding Lubbock. Uh, I find that to be very concerning, and I think um, you know. Uh, from what I can see, it, it my the appearances are right. Just from what I do for a living, and I'm looking at this situation, it appears that their CFO is getting thrown under a bus and being blamed for something that I don't see how the CFO could have done without the knowledge of a guy buying jets and fancy cars and going around town throwing his money around. I don't see how that could have been done. This level of stuff could have been done without without the knowledge of, if indeed it was done without the knowledge of, of, of Mr. Rager. I, I, that just, to me, sounds absurd. And when people say, well, I've seen some things on Facebook, like, well, I'm praying for them, and they're under attack. And I think that, you know, it's one thing to, to do something dirty and, and damage a community and damage tons of communities uh, in West Texas, especially some of the smaller towns. Uh, but it's another thing to damage communities and then act like you're a victim of a satanic attack from demons because you're being held accountable for your own uh, allegedly dirty behavior and and then get those same people who you just screwed and took from and then have them pray for you and act as though you're somehow the victim. It it reminds me of like Robert Tilton, right? In in Dallas where where he makes millions of dollars off of his off of these elderly people who who watch him and believe a, in a him. televangelist a televangelist and and then he um you you watch the the depositions he's in and he straight up admits he's lying to people he won't lie under oath and he's like i don't really pray over those cloths i don't really pray over their letters i don't really we get them in a printout and i pray over the printout and saying the stuff like that and then he gets on tv and he's like the forces of the devil are surrounding us and he reads some story about in the old testament you know about not sharpening your spears or something when the servants of the lord the army of the lord was under attack and surrounded and and then he 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 basically manipulates him to send him money because he's facing consequences for what he did with their money in the first place for manipulating them and that's what it reminds me of just from what i know like again we don't know if if mr this could all be for some reason people at ford motor company could have just concocted all of this and they just they might have said you know what we want to get sued and lose our business and we're just going to make this stuff up about this guy like, in we're Lubbock, just going to lose ford all of a sudden we're just going to like, we're just going to lose everything just to go after Rager Dykes and maybe Satan whispered in their ear and maybe this is a demonic attack and and and, and and maybe Satan whispered in in Ford Motor Company's ear and said, Hey, go after this servant of the Lord but from what I'm gathering and from the folks I'm talking to and some of them who work for him, he doesn't sound very much like a servant of the Lord at all, man. He sounds more like sounds more I don't know, I don't know I'm just saying it doesn't seem very good to me. So so I think that you know, like I was going to not be involved in it, and I was like, "Well, this might be a national story because this the level of alleged of, the, the level that uh, alleged fraud." Out. And I'm like, "This might end up being a big national story, right? Like Bernie Madoff's kind of story." And and uh, Mr. Rager's name, if this stuff is true, might end up being synonymous with with Bernie Madoff um, uh, on a national level, but. The thing was, is I was like, well, maybe, you know, I got other stuff to focus on. But then I started seeing all that, those pictures and the people like, pray for me and pray for us. And, and I'm like, you know what, buddy? Like, now you ventured into, I think you might be being a big old fat hypocrite. 
and that kind of that kind of uh, riled me up a little bit. I am I stand corrected. Ford does delineate, uh, implicate, or draw conclusions towards one of those three things: uh, criminal activity. Quote: Current management has also engaged in fraudulent double flooring of vehicles. Double flooring is more than just a breach of contract. It is loan fraud. And if proven to be true, a crime punishable by years in prison. Now, Rager Dykes yesterday in filings that were reported on said that they have a, now identified the, a person that they have now identified as the former Rager Dykes chief financial officer. That would be a gentleman named uh, Shane Smith. Uh, Rager Dykes requested the hiring of Blackbriar Advisors as chief restructuring officer the following states the chief restructuring officer would look into any wrongdoing by the previous cfo uh, company ownership and anyone else connected uh, the, the cfo that, that, come on man like hold, hold on. the cfo has made no comment i know of reporters that have gone to his home called his numbers no answer no comment now hold on a minute hold on a minute people in Lubbock are I mean, there's some shrewd people in Lubbock. You know, we're not fools. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you can make a lot more money as a contractor in Austin, Texas, than you can in Lubbock. Because people in Lubbock are like, you're going to charge me how much for what? You know? People here are shrewd. Mm-hmm. They've always had to be. Yep. Their ancestors had to be. And um, I'm just going to tell you, man, we deal with some tough weather. We have to make some, some wise decisions, right, mm-hmm. across the board uh, here in Lubbock. And I don't think anybody in Lubbock is dumb enough to think that one person in that company could do something if these allegations are true. Now imagine you own a company and you're like, I should make $100,000 this month off my business. Whoa, what do you mean I got $3 million? You know what? I don't know how you did it, but no. wow, that's amazing. Okay, so let's, do you believe that? Well, but t- so somebody. Call me, that just sounds like a bunch of. Bu- I had no idea. Well, so let's turn it around for just a moment and oh, say, you can turn, I, "There's so, been enough turning around." On, it sounds like on Twitter and on Facebook, we've had you know that. Now, now hold on, I don't know this man at all. I don't know yeah. this Rager guy. I know that everywhere I look, I see his face on a billboard, smiling at me, right? And I know that I have a hard time reconciling that face on the billboard with like those recordings of him talking <laughs> I have a real hard time I was trying to picture that the other day I was driving and I'm driving down I was driving to the border to do a border trip and right there down way down the road down down 84 I think it is like 80, 87 87 mm-hmm. 84 which one is it that goes 87. to 87 and um, there's his face smiling at me and I was just thinking that recording and I was like I just can't see it you know Yeah. well but let's turn it around for just a moment and say this that Shane Smith is, it says on his LinkedIn, a former Ford Motor Credit employee. Right. And to a company like Ford, like as historic as it is, how do you lose that? How do you, like 55 days, and then you they save $41 million in an ongoing analysis, as they continue to say, which could escalate and maybe grow to 60 or so. Here's my question. It's 2018. You've got a vape in your hand. I've got two screens looking at me that have... Po- I mean, the technology being what it is, how does Ford Motor Credit lose those kinds of as- assets? 
That's my question. So, so if it, it, I were a guessing man, mm-hmm. right? And again, I, I'm just what what I, a lot of the things in my life I have had to do, it's all based on the most likely scenario. Okay, when I used to work undercover in counterterrorism, you go into a situation, you're like, what the hell's happening here? Now, obviously, when it comes to a court of law, that that doesn't mean a, a hill of beans. But when it comes to keeping yourself alive in a situation, you go, what is the most likely scenario of what's occurring? Okay. What is the most likely scenario? When I later worked with uh, law firms uh, and and did investigative work, right, especially in family law, you look at something and you go, what is the, okay, the the man and the woman went in the motel room together. They both came out like sweaty and smoking cigarettes and with their heads held down like they were ashamed, like they were in a public place and just came out of the bathroom after taking a bowel movement, right? Mm-hmm. In a in a you know what I mean? On a, on their first date you know, or something with their head down. I do like, appreciate in shame. your analogy. No, but I'm saying so you're like, what is the most likely scenario? Now I I can't prove what happened in that hotel room, but I can tell you the most likely scenario of what happened in that hotel room based upon the facts I see, based upon the information we have. Mm-hmm. So the most likely scenario, and I, again, I don't know that it's the case, but the most likely scenario, what appears to be the case here, is that somebody hired somebody who was a former, uh, uh, worked for Ford Motor Company Finance, and that person ha- knows has relationships and knew, saw some holes in the system. You know, uh, if, if I were Stephen King writing this as a thriller, that's, that's what I, w- I would look at these and I'd go, you know, maybe somebody hired that person and that person had some relationships inside. And a whole bunch of people m- maybe colluded, since we're in, the, the, we're in that, that news cycle with the word collusion, a whole bunch of people colluded. Maybe there was a conspiracy uh, to, to uh, make millions and millions of dollars in an Ill, in ill-gotten mean, ill-gotten ways. Um, that's what it appears like. I, again, I can't say for sure, but I can tell you that the, you know, all I know is Mr. Rigger is walking out of a hotel room right now. And his hair is all messed up. He's smoking a cigarette. His head's held low, and hypothetically, and, hypothetically, and 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 someone else is walking out too, right? And and I'm looking at that, going, "What did they do in that hotel room? Like they might have read the Bible. I don't know, but it sure doesn't look that way, does it? The appearance of evil is definitely there right now. Let's just put it that way. And a lot of people, regardless, a lot of people's lives are messed up right now, and a lot of people's jobs are messed up, and a lot of people bought cars and are probably feeling kind of scared right now. Ford notes the principal loan balance owed to Ford Credit is approximately $116 million, but the total value of vehicles in Rager Dyke's inventory is nowhere near that amount. Ford estimates it to be $66 million. Again, reading from Fox34.com's write-up of this. With the total value of non-vehicle collateral as at less than 3.5 million dollars so maybe they can get to 70 on what uh of what they're owed what they say that they're owed now general motors again today had a motion granted to terminate the store in floydata rager dykes floydata lp According to GM's filing, debtor Floydata, by breaching its agreements with GM, has created cause to terminate their ability to operate the dealership in Floydata, Texas. I'm not sure how many people that is. Again, we called officials in Floydata, no one ready to comment this news breaking just this afternoon. 
GM's filing continues. Moreover, GM is concerned that given that serious allegations that sales out of trust have occurred and that the debtor Florida is unable to reconcile its obligations, GM requested it be permitted to freeze payments of dealer holdback funds until there can be a full accounting between the parties. Moreover, as permitted by the dealer agreement in Texas law, GM has sent the notice of termination of franchise subject to the requirements of Texas code, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that was a form, the former dealership. Oh. Whenever you talk about former yeah. established dealerships, Odin, Chevrolet, and Floydata, that sale went down in 2016. Now, the other thing I want to get into, we'll have a little more comment about this after the break and move on to some other news. Similar to another oblig- objection filed by Univer- Universal underwriter service corporation and i believe that coming yesterday vista bank has requested that is uh former cfo no no contractor claims seven hundred thousand dollars is due right now vista bank has filed an objection to part of rager dyke's motion to use cash collateral vista is a secured creditor of rager dyke's it notes a hearing last week to use cash collateral for limited company operations is specific to Ford Credit cash collateral. However, they say, quote, the cash collateral motion and accompanying proposed budget lacks sufficient detail on specific assets and sources of cash funding in the debtor's budget. Further, neither the cash collateral motion nor the budget acknowledge... Okay, so what, what are you saying in English, dude? Because you're starting to love stop about to yawn. What's going on here? <laughs> Vista Bank is saying that we've got some money out there, and apparently a lot, I don't know how much, but saying that they object to the way in which Rager Dykes may be spending the money that they've given. Okay, now see, speaking of spending, I, like again, this is one of those kind of things like, you know, at this point in my life, I needed a vehicle. I bought a new vehicle. I didn't go to Rager Dykes, you know. I bought a new vehicle, uh, a Jeep, right? And uh, that was an interesting experience in itself. But my point is I, I, I wasn't really well aware of Rager Dykes until some of this stuff started happening. And then it, as I talked to more and more people, I've come across a couple of people who Mr. Uh, Rager owed money to, you know. And I'm finding that this person has a lot of enemies. Like, there's a lot of people walking around town right now going, that son of a blank didn't pay me blank. And there's people that, that are alleging that they lost their businesses because he didn't pay his bills. You know, that's kind of a big deal. You know, like, I don't think anyone in town would say that about me. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I've had that experience with anyone, you know. There's probably a couple of waiters. There's, there's one bartender I got kicked out one time because... Someone poured a drink on me, and I poured a bucket of ice water on it. That, that's a long story. That was something I did. I admit that. I've had my. I'm. I'm a rowdy person, so I'm not. I'm not trying to act sanctified, right? Mm-hmm. But there's no one in town who would be like, I did business with Brandon Darby, and he didn't pay me what he owes me. You know, I got a notice today from Earl's Home Warranty, and they said I owed him seventy dollars for some work they did, and I just didn't see the bill. And they're like, payment is due, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Let me pay you. You know, I apologize. I didn't realize that. There's a guy who did some work on my well, and I haven't gotten his bill yet, so I, I'm going to call him and ask him, like, hey, I, do I owe you 50 bucks or something? You know what I mean? 
what do I owe you? Like, there's things like that, but there's nobody saying, like, Rager Dykes owes me tens of thousands, or Brandon Darby owes me tens of thousands of dollars, but I'm starting to meet quite a few people who, who have that perspective on Mr. Rager. What the heck is going on here? Like, how is this possible? Like, how does this work? Like, what what's going on here in Lubbock? I'm, I'm newer to this community than you, brother. It's like, all coming. It is all coming. And uh, there's a there's a lot out there and again well, a lot of what, like, what, what are you hearing the same the, things i'm hearing yes and but i will specify that i'm hearing it i've not seen it proven as of yet i've gotten multiple accounts uh from various people who listen to this program david thank you for your text i cannot read that on air um we well, I'm saying, so So, is this like a Russian conspiracy to take out a car dealer in West Texas or something? Or are all of these people just making this up? Is is between Ford Motor Company or finance and, and, and now GM and then the 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 other financier and, and all of these different businesses I'm talking to and people as I'm looking into the story, are they, are they all colluding together to make this up or something? It sounds to me like a lot of people who don't know one another have a lot of similar stories. And that's what I'm trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah. We're going to go to a break. Uh, speaking of some good I'm businesses, spend money with, take you out with some Tom T. Hall. Coming back with our friend Brandon Darby. Stick right here with us on the other side of Texas. Leave me a tip if you can. I'm a shoe shine man. While I can sing, I can dance, I can play the harmonica. Howdy, Jay. West Texas Leeson here. I'm going to tell you about my friends at Flint Boot and Hat. They've been building hats since 1994 and repairing boots, I guess, since forever. My dog chewed up my ostrich boots. Jared and his guys replaced the heel, made them look new again, put new pulls on, and at a super affordable price, they've resold my boots, and they build great hats. Love these guys. Go check them out. 3035. 34th Street or Flint Boot and Hat Shop at Flint and 34th Street. See more at FlintHat.com. Molded out of red clay and baked in the West Texas sun to perfection is the other side of Texas with Jay Leeson. Lord, it's the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Hey, welcome back in to the program. Rolling along here, Brandon Darby. On your other side of Texas, this segment brought to you by Lubbock File Room. Providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. (laughs) Wait, wait. You're advertising a document shredding service? Yeah, I think it's it's timely. Yeah, it's timely. <laughs> For a free and hassle-free <laughs> estimate, call Lubbock File Room today. LubbockFileRoom.com, 806-744-7666. That's 806-744-7666. Yes, we do timely advertising on the program. But I, I'm not done talking about this because here's the deal. Oh, I hold think... on. Can I make a selfish pitch right quick? Yes. Uh, some car dealers interested in advertising on the program? We'll just take the highest bid. You guys uh, keep them keep them coming, and and we'll be a place where people who want the skinny want the truth. Deal with honest people right here on the other side of Texas. Go ahead. Well, I think it's only fair to Bart Rager that we talk about the other possibilities here, because you know he could 
this might not be true there are other there are other possibilities right um of course the possibility that a cfo did something and the owner didn't i don't believe that for a second but let's talk about the other possibilities yeah there is a possibility right that the russians could have done i could just be setting them up man like they're, they're, the russians could be setting them up or or china could be doing this to him for some reason they've identified him as a threat to to communism because he's such a mm-hmm. happy capitalist, such an aggressive capitalist. These are all possible. Um, not not impossible. Not impossible. Um, there's there's you know I, I wouldn't exclude extraterrestrial possibilities. You know, uh, agents of a foreign planet may be doing this to him. Uh huh. Um, or of course the more likely scenario is that much of this is true and and he did all this stuff. I don't know. Um, but but there Professor are those other Snape, um, there there are these other possibilities that that people should keep in mind, you know that um, you know what I mean. Is this is this your style of a disclaimer? Uh, this is my mocking him. That's incredible, crazy man. Like so, I'm talking to people, and I'm trying to get them to go on the record with me, you know, because and some are like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to because Lubbock's like that. Lubbock, you know, when 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 I write something about someone in Lubbock and it's critical. What happens? Well, here's what happens. This is, this is the bizarrest thing, most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Like everywhere else, there's like a lot of traffic, and people share the story. It gets traffic through social media. Through social media. In Lubbock, when I write something critical of someone in Lubbock, it gets a lot of traffic. People are sharing the story, but it it gets zero social media shares, which means they're sharing the story. But unlike everywhere else, where they put it on their Facebook. Here in Lubbock, they're like, oh, I'm not going to put that on my Facebook, but I'm going to text it to 10 friends privately where nobody knows I sent it out. Biggest small town in the world. And everybody does. That's how they share stories here. So so I'm just telling you, people are, are hesitant to come forward and say something critical of someone in the community. But, like, some of the stuff that, like, when I heard that, that tape, I was like, well, that's what people who claim he didn't pay him money, like a lot of money, they claim that when they called him to get the money, that that's how he talked to him, and that they ended up getting off the phone feeling like they were little puppy dogs, intimidated, like a little chihuahua dealing with an elephant or something, right? They felt scared, and so that's where it kind of that's kind of irks me a little bit too, because then I have this thing where I you know I fight Mexican cartels, um, I expose Mexican cartels because they're bullies and because they they do things that that damage people and damage communities, you know. But the thing is, is, is he's in a, and I'm not trying to be rude to Lubbock, but he's in a little fishbowl out here, right? I'm sure he is a very big fish in this little fishbowl. But he is not a real big fish in, in context of like, like he's not a big fish compared to Mexican cartels, right? The Los Zetas or the Sinaloa cartel or El Chapo or he's just not that big of a fish. So hearing someone talk like that to their staff members and threaten them and aggressive, rah, you know, and, and just curse them out and say, look at my home and now look at your home and that kind of attitude. It just inspires in me this desire. It like instills this desire in me to like challenge them and to point out to them like, hey, bully, like, why don't you pick on someone your own size? I should, I should point out what we said earlier in the week with Rager Dykes individuals. The problem was not the audio the problem was the date in which i time stamped it according to sources they said it happened after it uh individuals inside and i actually believe the individuals inside that it happened before 
um, before the lawsuit. Okay. It has nothing, that's not, that's, hold on, let me say a couple other. has nothing to do with the suit. It's it's disconnected, directly disconnected from the suit. But in that, in, in that you got the date wrong is an implication that, okay, well, it happened. We're just going to, so when did it happen? They haven't given me a clear date yet. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, that's cool, man. Like, I, I don't, I don't know that that really matters. I, I, that, here's what I'm trying to say, man. That somebody with that attitude, okay, like that's a problem. You know, like at the point that, for instance, I'm from a rough area in Pasadena, Texas. My dad was a welder at a refinery, mm-hmm. right? My first real job was at a refinery. You know, rough dudes, hardworking dudes. Not knocking them, but rough dudes, you know. And I'm from a rough area. And so to make a little bit of money, I used to have to work my rear end off. I'm talking about hurt my knees, like break my back every day. Now I make a lot more money. Not a lot of money, but a lot of money for me, right? And I make a lot of money, a lot, lot more money writing. And sometimes I feel like I'm ripping off my bosses, you know. How many planes do you have? I don't have any planes. That's, my, my point is this. I wouldn't go to those people that I was raised with who, who kept a job at a refinery as a laborer cleaning up debris and be like, let me tell you something. Look at my new Jeep and look what you drive. Look at my house and look at your house. You've got that MF blank, blank, blank. And if you want to take me on, I'm tough. I'll get you. I would never talk to human beings like that. That's insanity, man. You know, that's crazy. That somebody would even have that attitude. So even though that audio is not directly related, what he is saying is not a response to what is going on right now. Somebody with that, that attitude would definitely indicate somebody capable of something like this. That something's wrong there, man. You don't make a good living and, and rise above the rest economically. And then, like, make fun of people and tell them to come look at my house and look at your house. You know, you don't talk to people like that. And someone who would talk to people like that is someone who would do probably a lot of other things, you know? So, like, I don't know. I'm just telling you, this is problematic. And I'm just kind of astounded that somebody who even has an attitude like what's portrayed in that, in that, in, in his audio, right? And there's a lot more audio. Let's be honest here, right? It's just kind of beating a dead horse to put it all out there. But there's a lot more audio, and everybody in Lubbock's sharing it. Let's not let's not lie. Not everybody. everybody well, a, a whole bunch of people are sharing audio. And we had that audio early yeah. and chose not to put any more of it out, it, the audio that I had at that time. Now, there's a lot more audio. There's a ton out there, okay? And your exercising of discretion does not mean that there's not more, because there is. And... That That is just such a bizarre, it's so contrary to everything else I see in Lubbock, Texas. So contrary to the culture here, that somebody would be that big for their britches, you know? It's just not what you see in the general culture. Yeah. When I interact with people, I just don't see a lot of that. Occasionally I meet somebody, I've met a couple of people in town who obviously were in that same kind of situation. You know, they thought because they made... $800,000 this year that that meant they're going to make it forever mm-hmm. and they're, it's real obvious they're spending the whole $800,000 right in one year you know I've met a couple of those people but for the most part most of the people you meet who even who are very well off they don't act like it they don't they don't flash it they're not that's not the culture here you know and um, 
And so that attitude is just bizarre to me, man. So I'm just telling you, like, if this thing keeps going, I'm definitely going to start covering it. And and it, it, I think it's, it's at the level of being a big national news story. Brandon Darby, as we carry along here with you, and you've got a little contraption in your hand. Let's talk about uh, what you've been up to and uh, what you stopped doing of late. Well, a couple things. So, um... I've kind of just always smoked cigarettes, man. And I even as a boy in Pasadena. Even as a boy in Pasadena, and uh, we all kind of did, you know. And back then, when I bought them, it was like they were less than a dollar, and you could buy them. Kids could buy them. Like people didn't care, you know. And um, society's obviously changed quite a bit, but <clears throat> I always smoked and. What was weird is that I haven't smoked for 22 days today. Wow. And I've never gone 22 days without wow. smoking a cigarette. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just saying it's crazy. But the way I did it was, um, I mean, I've tried all kinds of stuff to quit smoking. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And, you know, it's like, always... What were a couple of ways that you tried oh my and they didn't work? gosh, man. I've gone to hypnotherapy... I've gone to. Did you really? Oh yeah, I went to twelve step What's groups for like? it. Um, I um, I uh, did patches. I did medicine. I no, did. No, what's hypnotherapy? Nicorette. I, I I can't tell you. I fell asleep. <laughs> I think I fell asleep. I don't okay. know. All right. No, I, I mean it was it was it was interesting, and I've done everything in the world. I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and I've I've um, you know, it just just couldn't imagine not doing it because I'd always done it. And especially now, because I was like, how can I write and not smoke? Or how can I go on a long road trip to the border and be in these stressful situations that scare me and not smoke? Or, you know, and it, it just never seemed like a convenient time. And so someone had said something to me about vaping. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to be a vapor. And they're like, yeah, but just to help you stop smoking, like you're addicted to this thing. With, there's all these chemicals you're addicted to in the cigarettes, you know. And so just do nicotine replacement and do the vaping where you have the water vapor so it kind of gives you a sensation like you're smoking mm -hmm. without the harm to your body, you know, and without the smell. And I said, well, I don't think so. And then one day I was going to buy cigarettes and I was really busy. And in fact, I was coming to your radio show. It was the day that, that we um, had Michael Bob Starr on. Mm -hmm. And I was turning in to buy cigarettes and I was like, you know, man, I feel like a slave, man. Like I can't. You know, it affects when I go on road trips, how long of road trips I take with my child. We always have to take your Jeep. I always have to take my Jeep because I want to smoke. It affects what hotels I stay at. It affects which, I mean, like everything, you know? And I was like, this just feels like I'm a slave, man. Like, I don't like it. And I was turning into nothing but smokes. And then I, I just stopped in the middle of the lane and illegally Googled uh, uh, vape stores. And I went to this vape store, and I went in there, and I said, hey, I was about to buy cigarettes, but, and I'm on my way to something for work, which was this show. And I said, but um, I um, I really don't want to smoke anymore, you know? And they said, okay, here's what you need. And they gave me this little vapor thing with this liquid that's like <clears throat> a bunch of innocuous stuff with nicotine. And then they said, just do this. And I said, okay. And I said, you know what? Every time I want to smoke, I'm going to suck on this vape thing for like 10 minutes. And then if I still want to smoke, I'll smoke. And I, I just never wanted to smoke after I sucked on it for 10 minutes. Hmm. And here I am 22 days later. Went on my first road trip, went to the my first big border trip. It was a 10-day trip with yeah, the film crew. 
my border team and a film crew went to toured three three sectors of the U.S. Mexico border. Uh, a lot of interviews along the way. Dealt with a lot of heavy stuff. Had some creepy stuff happen in Mexico when I was there to meet with sources and and do a report on a, a mayor who was a former mayor who was just assassinated there a couple weeks prior. And uh, right in front of everybody, they just shot him right in front of God and everybody, wow. right in the head. And um, so I went down there and I I talked. I did a, a piece on why he was killed, and uh, someone started following it. It was pretty creepy. And I still didn't smoke, you know. And then to make matters really complicated is one of the people who was on the film crew coming down was my ex-girlfriend who I hadn't been around since I broke up with her, like over a year ago. And that was kind of stressful. And I still didn't smoke. So stress, anxiety, and all the, the normal stuff. rigor where I'm getting up, I'm going to get my cup of coffee and the smoke, or I'm going to start this story, I'm going to smoke. And I'm telling you, man, like... Like, we're not in the dark ages anymore, okay? Like, harm reduction is a good thing. You know, technology is a good thing, right? You don't have to go and kill yourself and 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 sit there and, like, chew off your fingernails anymore. Like, they have nicotine replacement therapy, you know? You can, you can walk away from it and go, okay, now I'm not combusting smoke, breathing in smoke. I'm not breathing in 9,000 chemicals. I'm going to have nicotine replacement therapy, and I'm going to have this water vapor that gives me the sensation of smoking. Um, and I can do that for a few months or something and, and then to quit, right? And I can get over the habit of burning a paper tube between my fingers and, and breathing in all this toxic stuff in my body. And, you know, you, after a few days, you start to feel really good. You feel stressed, but you have all this energy you didn't have before because you had so much carbon monoxide in your blood, you know, and you weren't getting all the oxygen. and you weren't. So you start to feel better, you know. And then you start to go, you know what, like, I don't have to... I can I can work in my house with my child and I don't have to go outside constantly and sit outside and work because you know so it changes everything and and so on this road trip I didn't smoke on the road trip I uh, I went to a hotel and I, I just stayed at the hotel I wanted to stay at without any consideration for what I would have to go through to smoke if I stayed there hmm. and it was pretty dang cool and I had a lot of moments where I wanted to smoke but that's when I would pull out this nicotine replacement thing this vaporizer and uh, I thought that was pretty neat, man. Um, and I wish more people who smoked, who really felt like they couldn't stop, you know, who were smoked heavily, I wish more of them would try this. Hmm. Because it's uh, it, if everything else isn't working for you and you can't imagine not smoking, it's a hell of a step in the right direction. Um, and I wish more people would do it, you know. Because you, most people who smoke, they don't want to smoke anymore. They, I like smoking. I just don't want the consequences of it, right? And I don't like the fact that once you, you smoke a lot, what happens is it starts getting to where even when you, even when you smoke, like you want to smoke two or three cigarettes, you know? And it starts getting to where every hour, you're, it starts to get a hold of you. And you're like, you know, I don't like this, man. Um, so most people who smoke don't want to smoke. And, but, but they also don't, can't imagine how, how would I wake up? How would I, how would I have coffee and write or read or... Well, you do it by getting a vape pen and, and trying that for a while. Very helpful. Yeah. Very helpful. Technology is amazing. It reminds me of, you know, one day I remember we were, I was in an Old Testament course, and, like, if you had, let's talk about the Egyptian account for just a moment in bondage and slavery and draw this comparison. But you'd been in Egypt for, dec for centuries, and you'd been a slave, and then 
the spirit of the Lord comes over and the judgment is unwrapped, unraveled upon in uh, in Egypt, and then you can just leave. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like looking at it from an American perspective, 21st century, this dude with the long white beard says, "Let's go. Follow me. We're going to walk across the desert to the promised land." Well, I'm thinking, no, I'm a West Texican. I'm going to head north, man, or I'm going to I'm going to go west. I'm out. But just that mentality of, okay, well, we're going to follow along. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm not getting down on the Israelites. Don't hear me say that. But they didn't know. They'd never done anything else. And they were just a, f- a group of former slaves. And so, of course, they followed. They'd seen these acts, but then they followed along. That's probably a pretty bad comparison off the top of my head. But the fact that even after... Even after the Emancipation Proclamation, how do you how do you go on? And so I think a lot of people deal with an addiction, whether it's opioids or nicotine or whatever the case might be, and they can't imagine life any other sort of way. I, I couldn't. But you do have to kind of cross a desert, don't you? Well, okay. So I've smoked since I was 12 years old, and I'm 41. You know, and who? I mean, I've smoked so long I could tell them what kind of problems I'll have just from what I've already done to myself. You know, hmm. but at least I'm not gonna even if i got cancer next year because of it which i might i don't know i mean it's really bad stuff but at least i'm not spending this next year in bondage you know what i mean yeah like i'm, I'm just saying like it's like i don't it, it affects the time when at the point that it's starting to affect the time with your child and it's starting to affect like which you know which airports you go to I would always fly through Atlanta because they had a smoking section. If I'm going anywhere, I'm like, I'll fly through Atlanta. And they're like, well, that adds an hour to your flight. I'm like, I don't care, you know? Like, And, and that's the problem is, like, if you work for other people and you're managed by other people and you're going to an office or something, maybe that affects you. But in my situation, most of the people around me work for me, you know, like during the work day. And I get to pick which routes I take and where I go and don't go. And you start to realize how much of your life you set up around cigarettes. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm, I'm currently healthy. Like, I, I like to breathe. I like to get exercise. I like to, like, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've worked hard to get to certain places in life. Not that I'm, I'm obviously not around in a jet, you know, like, like the guy we were just talking about prior, prior, previously, but in the last segment, but, but I'm in a, a much better spot than I would have imagined or probably most people I grew up with. Right. And, and you think, well, I don't want to be in bondage. I don't want to do something because I feel like I have to. Or I'm afraid to not. I couldn't imagine writing or something without smoking. And so 22 days into it, like that might not seem like a big deal to someone else, but if you were me and your entire formative years and you're, you know, you always just smoked, it's kind of like I'm blown away that I just went on a 10-hour road trip and I didn't smoke. I'm just blown away by it. But it is something like 39 and you know so we're both hovering around 40 and you really begin to like i'm having thoughts that i wouldn't have had 10 years ago you know certainly not 15 years ago like mortality like you begin to think about that isn't it crazy like around this is one of the first times in my life this is the first time in my life where i've thought i'm closer to the end than the beginning and i know that like they're I know our demos, like, they're older uh, males, 
upper middle class that's, that's a big part of our demographic who are probably just snickering but it is something to come into those thoughts for the first time and i think a lot of it actually i don't mean to sound like an evangelist but i think it is the grace of god that begins to set in our minds and say hey let's think about how we're doing some things here because the clock you know, is ticking I, bro i get older and i'm just like you know here's what i want to spend time with my family and my child right i want to do something good in the world and be a good example not only to my child but to other people and i want to make sure i have some resources set up that my child can have be secure if yeah, something happens exactly. to me yeah that's that you know yeah. like that's that's really the and then, and then like, after that comes all the other stuff right like like um like all the other stuff like do i want a girlfriend or not or do i want a new porch on my house or do i want a pool or no pool or do i all that stuff is way down the line right now it's it's all about like i want to, i want to have great experiences with my family and my child i want to do good things in the world and help the world leave it better than i came into it mm-hmm. and i want to make sure there's resources no. for my child it's like it's real it's real basic man yeah okay <laughs> so i'm gonna not gonna be nearly as like focusing on the things that matter like jordan peterson 12 steps but i will say you just begin to notice little like why is this hair growing on my earlobe what is this about what are these i don't have that issue okay well i do and uh, like ingrown tone just all these things you're like what is this about man this has never been what i'm about my kids are like looking at my sides and you know i got some stretch marks on my belly and dad did you did you find a tiger when you were a boy (laughs) (laughs) nope but yeah there is it's crazy right it's crazy intentionality you know it's insanity and 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 it's really just you know like talking about smoking like if people are listening to smoke you don't have to do it man you you really if i could quit smoking you can quit smoking and who knows maybe i'll get to 30 days and be like i can't take it or something but i'm gonna tell you after four or five days it really just kind of mellowed out i have little moments where like I like I wake up and I'm tired and I have to get up earlier than I should and I stayed up later than I should and um, I'm like you know I, this is when I would generally smoke a lot you know but so far I'm really enjoying it and from what the other people who have quit for many years say after two weeks you're pretty good hmm. you know so people out there I'm telling you like there's there's technology now there's ways of doing it and um, that's just really really helpful I mean and People say, no, the only way to quit is cold turkey. Well, I'd imagine that's what a lot of ladies said whenever they first came up with epidurals or something, or they first came up with medications you could take during childbirth and, and that would reduce the pain or something. But but then what happens is you start to realize, like, over time, like, human progress and technology and innovation is something that's there it to help there. you. Yeah. There are things to help you. Like, trying to quit smoking now is not like it was even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the same anymore. Like, there, yeah. there's things that really help you and make it a lot easier. So, tell us, Brandon, before we get off, Brandon Darby with us. Uh, thank you for listening. Do you, you've been down the border, got some reports coming? Tons of stuff coming. Uh, we had a, a really interesting um, interesting time on the border. You know, one of the, the interviews we did was with uh, a guy named Sher- Sheriff Benny Martinez, and he's a sheriff of of uh, Brooks County which is a secondary border county it's not even on the border it's like 75 miles from the border right Mm -hmm. and they have found the bodies of 618 people over how long over since 2009 they found 38 so far this year and I think I'm gonna 
you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to put my brain to help and stop that. And, um, and I'm going to go talk to all the people I know who have money. And I'm going to try to get them to fund it, you know? Like, I think I'm going to start something to, to help those people and to help that count. It's just unbelievable to me because these aren't the people. Raise, raise money for what? Well, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. But, but I just, once I heard that and once I, I sat with that sheriff and he pulled this book out and he started showing me photos of all the bodies they found this year. And these are the poorest of the poor in our world, man. And I get it. Like, people out there, and they're like, he sounds like a liberal. These are illegal aliens. And I, okay. You know, okay. Yeah, they're people who came illegally, and they were trying to sneak in. And, you know, I'm just going to tell you, the worst of the worst, the people who are cartel members and stuff, like, they don't have to march through 80 miles of the desert mm -hmm. to, to get in our country. They have yeah. ways of getting in. Yeah. These are the people... Who are do who are coming here? These are the poorest of the poor coming here to work in your yards, and work in restaurants, and work in your houses. These are the poorest of the poor. If they were connected to something evil, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been coming in that way. Let's put it that way, okay? And they you, wouldn't walk through a desert. Yeah, and and you know hold this on, is something. Hold on, hold on. You're we're talking seventy miles north of McAllen somewhere. Yeah. There. Okay, go ahead. And um, it just really really touched me, man. That that. You know, and so many people right now, like the, they abolish ICE, and I'm sure not a lot of Texas Democrats surely aren't that far left to call for that, but, but a lot of Democrats, like in San Francisco, and New York City, those type of Democrats, not like, I think we have some pretty reasonable Democrats in Texas, right? But, but the the real radical nutty ones, you know, like in the real nutty areas, right? Um, like San Francisco, I think they're kind of nutty. Honest, I think they're nuts. Like that's what I think. I'm not going to disagree. And, and um, those abolish ICE folks, abolish Border Patrol. People don't realize, man. For every bad thing you can come up with, a Border Patrol agent did. I can. I mean, these guys are saving four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lives a day of people they find dying out in the desert trying to get in our country. You know, these are Border Patrol agents, and they're saving lives, man. And and so you look at that. And this sheriff, like, obviously, he's a law and order guy. He's a sheriff. Is he a Democrat? He's actually a Democrat. Okay. But he's a, again, that kind of Democrat ain't the problem, right? Like, he's a firm border Democrat. He's a retired law enforcement guy from Texas DPS, worked narcotics his whole life, went back to his community, ran for sheriff, and he's doing a, a pretty good job there. That no, none of the conservatives I know, and I know some pretty right-wing conservatives, like, have a problem with the guy. Let me put it that way. He's that kind of guy. He, uh, he has a mission, and it's law and order, and he also tries to protect lives. Mm -hmm. And those guys just see it as a humanitarian mission. They see border security as a humanitarian mission, you know? They're trying to save lives. And, and, and I'm out there, and I'm just thinking, man, like, gosh, you know, like those those people, you know, and this is the thing, is like, obviously, I'm a big border security guy. I don't think anyone in this country has, has written more about border security than me has put more effort into it. I've spent, you know, yes, there are, are people who are live in one area and they, like a Border Patrol agent, they know their sector, okay? But, like, I've put effort, I, I've traveled for the last four to five years, I've spent 10 days a month traveling the nine sectors of the southwest border for five years of my life, you know? That's what I do. I travel, I talk to people, I listen, I write about it write about half of what I learn and the other half I don't. You know, I do something else with it or I figure some way to help people with it or mm -hmm. it's off record and I can't use it or whatever. And 
so nobody could tell me that I'm not big on border security and I, I do a lot to challenge Mexican cartels that are hurting our country like like I, I think I put myself on the line pretty well to challenge Mexican cartels and mm-hmm. expose them and call them out um, but at the same time man people get mad at me for saying this but I'm just going to tell you you know God loves those people as much as he loves me and you those people who cross the border he loves them just as much as he loves us because they're people too and I think sometimes when we're talking about these policies and again I don't think we should allow people to stay I think we should have be a nation of laws I'm not that guy I have some pretty right wing views on, on the border but I think when we're talking about them we need to remember we're talking about people especially when we're not talking about MS-13 gang members and cartel members and drug dealers but we're talking about people from Central America whose family's waiting back there for, for a check because they're poor as hell and he was trying to get to Houston to do a construction job, right? I, I have a, so many problems with that, and I'm not sa- believing in am I'm not doing any of that. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is when we're talking about these issues, we got to remember we're talking about people. Because I, when I sat there and I looked at those photos, man, I just, um, honestly, dude, I just thought, dang, like, like I get the rule of law stuff. I, I get it. I'm all that, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who, I, I had Breitbart's border coverage, okay? But I just couldn't stop thinking that, you know, there's some woman and her kids and their daddy left to go earn a living, right? And they don't know what happened to their dad. They just never heard from him again. Hmm. He's just gone. They just don't know. They'll never know what happened to their dad unless somebody does some DNA testing and does some kind of massive effort to find out whose relative is missing a relative in Honduras, you know, or El Salvador. I mean, think about that, man. Like, and that guy, when the, so, so no, when you think about like dropping? the heat death. So I was talking to that sheriff about the death and I was like, what is that like? I wonder, he goes, well, the kind of heat we have and the, he knew he was dying. He probably knew he was dying for a day, maybe, maybe two days. And he, at some point got too exhausted and he laid down and he knew he was dying hmm. and he died. You just think that dad's like out there like, gosh, man, like thinking about, man, my poor kids, they're never going to know. They're not, nobody's going to find my body before it's half eaten, you know? Mm. And you're just like, holy crap, like what we're doing on the border, man. And I'm not, this is the humanitarian argument for border security. What we have going on on our border isn't good for us. It's not good for American workers, but you know what? It's not good for those people either, man. Like, if you want people to be able to come here and work, then you need to put your effort into to making legit worker programs that are sufficient for the numbers of people coming if you want that, right? But just leaving it like it is and saying, oh, the border's safe. I'll bet through our work style and just letting things stand as they are. That's not okay, man. If you, if you saw this stuff, it's not okay, man. What we have going on on the border is not okay. The status quo is not okay. Coming out and being like, oh, we only had 200,000 last month. Like, it's down 100,000. That's not okay, man. Like, what? the realities are not okay. When's this drop? Uh, well, I just dropped it, didn't I? Uh, it probably drops sometime next week. Okay. Well, I definitely, next week, I want to get into this more. I mean, all the questions I have mounted up, like, how did you get with this sheriff and then, I mean, Brother, but there's so, there's like, I, I just been down there for 10 days, and on each day, I probably did three or four interviews mm-hmm. like that. Like, I'm just saying, it's like, there's a lot of, you know, you're, what is that? Like, 10 times, you figure two days of travel, so eight, eight times three. You know, that's a lot of interviews and a lot of information. 
and um it was just heavy stuff man because you know one of the things that happened to me was i was i know we got to go but i'll just tell you i was i was down there and i was flying a drone and three families crossed the border and i got it on my drone wow and so I flew the drone, I landed the drone, I, I walked up the those dirt road mm -hmm. and I went and talked to the families, man. You know? And I was just like, Oh my gosh and they were they wanted border uh border patrol and I, I had already called I'm not lie, I'd already called Border Patrol. Um Border Patrol got there. Whoa, and whoa, whoa, whoa. These people see a drone. Probably for the first time. It was a little weird the way they reacted. Like are they like just running scattered they didn't like, run the but they UFOs? they definitely were looked like that was concerning to them could you, you know? imagine having no orientation well, well at one point they saw the drone <laughs> and when i flew the drone down to kind of eye level with them they turned around and started walking back <laughs> walking <laughs> walking back but they were weirded out and then they stopped and just kind of stood there and like froze and um so anyway i flew the drone back i landed i, I walked out to where they were and uh it was just really powerful man like it was it was really powerful because what happens is you know it's one thing to, to sit here or to be in dc and talk about policy but it's another when you're looking at the human being and you're looking at a little baby it's another thing like and a, I, a baby was there oh there was i i held the baby i held the, the mom when she was being processed didn't have enough hands she needed like two more arms for what was going on mm -hmm. so she handed me her baby so i'm sitting there holding this little baby and he's just kind of like woo, 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 at me, and I'm just like, oh man, you know, this is an intense experience. What was the road like ahead for them? Was this kind of the same territory? <sighs> I mean, they'll um, they they didn't come across to sneak across. They came across to utilize the asylum laws. They came across looking for a border patrol oh, okay, agent okay. to turn themselves in. Yeah, and um, it was a, it was intense, man. That's all I can tell you is that when you're down there seeing it. You know, it's, it's like most things in life. The more you know, the more information, the more experience you have, uh, the more complex things are. Mm -hmm. You know, people out there going, well, I don't care. It's illegal. It's illegal. You know, and it's like, well, I, I agree with you. It's illegal and we can't allow it. But not only can we not allow it from a sovereignty standpoint and a rule of law standpoint, um, but we can't allow it from a humanitarian standpoint. You know, like, like obviously we just, we can't, everyone in the world can't come and they definitely can't come if they're doing it through the black market because that fuels the very cartels that people are fleeing in the first place you know mm -hmm. so there's a lot to it but my point is is there is a lot to it you know it's a complicated issue it's one thing to say get them out of here it's another if somebody said okay well here's that baby go ahead yeah because what we get into is like this binary there's right and there's wrong there's black and there's white and that becomes very, very difficult. There's a there's a lot of gray in the world, and and again, I, I like looking at that baby. <clears throat> yeah, there's there not look the law is the law, but I'm it, glad that I'm not the one who has to sit there and say your asylum is denied, you and your baby go back to hell. Like I'm glad I'm not that person. At the same time, I recognize that we can't allow everyone in the world to come. I get it. Yeah. But I'm just saying I'm glad I'm not that person. Hey, uh, speaking of, we're going to leave it there. The stuff's going to drop this week. We'll have some stuff, maybe some clips we can play next week uh, right here. Well, before we go, mm -hmm. so what happens to all the the employees of, of – I'm not trying to do – I'm not. I'm going to try to be nicer. I'm, You know, we start talking about people on the border and trying to 
understand people and mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to be ugly to to the Rager guy Bart Rager but what what happens to all the employees man like what, what what's going on with them right now because well, that's who I'm feeling sad for like I, I I've I've met some of them and um I'm feeling pretty bad for them right now well so there are a couple of things one is we don't know what we know is that court filings say 700 people now somebody needs to get out there do a uh, we need to get somebody to do a freedom of information on tax on payroll taxes and figure out how many and then how many as of today payday today and to figure out how many are not currently working but on leave and you know there i've heard these stories of people who cannot file for unemployment because they are on leave they've not been terminated so having to work with the texas workforce commission on a designation under which they can file for unemployment if that's what they intend to do so wow because they've not technically been terminated they're on leave while this reorganization the Rager Dice representation is trying to put forward a reorganization, has sought permission to pay somebody to do a reorganization, and you know, it is what it is. They can't they can't have people working in the meantime, so that's a, it's a little bit problematic, right there. So so there's a bunch of there's hundreds of people in the Lubbock area, in West Texas, mm-hmm. who don't know whether or not they're they don't know their financial future right now that's correct Eish. yeah that's a lot of people man those are stories to come in the well, next what, what happens like okay so with what's going on in like florida and other places uh what happens like 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 wouldn't regular docs be the largest tax-paying business in their community i think that that may i'd have to look at uh lamisa close more closely i know that their school um the public school system the prison are large employers and i would think that regular dykes that uh, location in lamiso is probably one of like there are probably three big employers three or four and that's probably i would guess it was number one i don't know that for certain. okay so you have communities right now going uh-oh our sales our sale our our, our tax base is about mm-hmm. to hit the tank Yep, going to have to look at taxes. No. We're going to have to look at taxes. Oh, wow. Hmm. A lot of stories like that. Brandon Darby, my friend, thank you for coming in. And uh, another good program for you. Good week ahead. Jonathan Sticklin, my friend, our friend, uh, state representative who is not afraid to speak his mind, going to come on the show. We're going to talk about the speaker's race. Uh, and uh, Pete Gallego down in senate district 19 run as a democrat we had his opponent on pete flores and a whole lot of other guests done for this edition thank you for tuning in and thank you again it's free and your friends can listen to it i think uh my digital guy said people listen 65 percent of the time they listen to the entire podcast and thank you for making it what it is and joining us here the most talked about afternoon radio show in west texas we'll see you next time right here on am 580 
ますね。